Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. You're listening to Career Crossroads, and if you're new here, welcome. And if you're not new, welcome back. I'm Jonathan Colleton, and this is the podcast where I talk to people about all the pivots, changes, and life events that led them to their current career path. Today, I'm talking to Lauren Vandervecht, owner of Sunday Love Mobile Flower Shop in Toronto, Ontario, which is, of course, my hometown. Lauren is the second guest in a row to be recommended by the same person, so shout out to Kate for all her amazing interview recommendations. It's kind of funny that when Kate told me about Lauren and I looked her up, I went and showed my wife, Natasha, Lauren's business Instagram account for Sunday Love Flowers, and all Natasha had to say was, oh, I follow her, she's amazing. So I thought, well, this is a pretty good sign. I think I should probably interview this person. After Lauren and I started chatting, I found out she had a pop-up near me, so me and Natasha went and ambushed her and bought some flowers, but luckily by that point she had already committed to being on the podcast. No doubt her current business is very, very cool, and we will talk about that in the later part of the interview as we get to the what she's doing now, but I also think that the journey that got her there is fascinating as well, so let's get right to it. Here is my interview with Lauren. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming today. Thank you for having me. You know, you're like the third person in a span of eight days that Kate will have recommended to me. No way. Yeah, absolutely. The episode before you, and I don't know if it'll be the episode after you or if it'll be a couple weeks after, but the point is, Kate apparently, who has been on this podcast, knows all kinds of people (laughs) whose careers are perfect for this podcast. She seems to know everyone. (laughs) Yes, Kate does, in fact. So thank you, Kate, for connecting us. Yes. But let's talk about you today, and we're going to talk about your career, so... Take me back in time to what you were like when you were younger, because I always want to hear what people originally thought they might be doing with their lives. So when you were, if there was something early in your life that really influenced you, tell me about that. If not, tell me about when you were in high school, what do you like, where do you live, what influenced you, all that kind of stuff. The first job that had ever stood out to me that I can remember in my life time, I guess, would have been in grade eight, we had a some kind of career person who came in to do a presentation on start thinking now about what you want to do with your life in grade eight. I like 13. Yes, which is way too young. But at the same time, I guess it gets you thinking. (laughs) So they were going, I don't even know. I don't know what the presentation, what was in the presentation at all. But On that day, I decided I'm going to be an interior designer. Interior designer. (laughs) Yes. And I never have been an interior designer. (laughs) Easy first pivot then. Easy first pivot. Yes. (laughs) Why do you think at 13 you thought you wanted to be an interior designer? I don't know. I think maybe it was just maybe at that time there wasn't many like no one had phones there wasn't social media there wasn't any of this stuff so there wasn't any of these creative jobs and that seemed to be the only creative job so I think maybe in my grade eight mind was like fine if I can't find a creative job this might be the only thing that's slightly creative that I can make money and have a title and get paid to do something (laughs) that's creative as opposed to 
being a nurse or being an accountant or Mm -hmm. just whatever, working in business or working in whatever. Okay. So I think that's what it was. It just was the creativity that drew me to the job. And I didn't feel as a grade eight that there would be any other options. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're in Toronto now. Is this Toronto? Where yes. have you been here your whole life? No, well, I grew up. Foreshadowing, I yeah. think, actually, because I know you weren't the entire mm-hmm. time. But yeah, keep going. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in I grew up in Aurora, Ontario, which is about forty minutes north of Toronto. The Toronto suburbs. Exactly. A lot of people would say. Yes, the Toronto suburbs. So grew up going to a school in Stouffville. Because we were just on the border of that school, and it was just farmland. I grew up on a farm. Always had horses and chickens and mm-hmm. dogs and cats and a donkey at one point. Yeah, because uh, Stouffville's a little bigger now, but that would have been really small. Uh, yeah, then. at that way back then, it was pretty small. All of my friends lived on farms. Our field trips were to my classmates' farm. <laughs> We didn't, it was just farm, 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 (laughs) small town farm. Okay. So you're very, yeah, small town upbringing. Mm -hmm. Well, how long did that last until when? Well, uh, we lived in that, in that house on that small farm until I was in grade eight. And then halfway through grade eight, we moved to, it's called Cedar Valley. It's literally like a street long and it's close to Mount Albert in between Newmarket, Ontario and Mount Albert, Ontario. Okay. It's very, very small. There's yeah. probably four houses. You went from small to smaller. Yes. Yeah. But I guess really from a farm to a street of other people. Yes. farms usually well, yeah. it was a little more separate. Well, a street of other people, but really it was a street of other farms. It was yeah, on yeah, 28 yeah. acres. So then our right. next door neighbor was a little bit further away. Okay. Um, I also now am wondering, was your interior design style going to be very like farm chic because you lived out in the country <laughs> and that's what you knew? No, it was going to be anything but. Oh, I see. So you were trying to escape yes, that. Yes. That's where maybe this came yes, from. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Get away from the farm, everything, and be more city. I always, growing up, I always, always, always wanted to live in Toronto. Since I was like 12, I can remember saying, I will live in Toronto one day. <laughs> here you are. Yeah, you did and here it. Here I am. I did it. You achieved it. <laughs> All right. So how, I guess, when you... Do you go to high school in Stouffville, around Stouffville? Or, in Newmarket, because we moved yeah. into the Newmarket district. Okay. Yeah. So high school in Newmarket. Mm-hmm. There seems to be, with most people I talk to, some sort of, unless they're geniuses, some divergence in high school where they're either good at math and science or not good at that and good at other things, usually in the arts. Um, I'm going to throw out a guess that you were not the math and science type. No. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who says creative is never good at math no. and science. And yeah, I just, it just seems to be, this is from my research of interviewing people. I have nothing to really back this up yes. beyond that. <laughs> no, but it's true. In grade 11, I begged my chemistry teacher to pass me because I was getting a 48 after the final exam. And I went to his classroom and I said, please, I promise you, I will take it again, but please just pass me. And he agreed. He agreed. He said, if you take this class again, take it online so you can go at your own pace, but I will pass you just so you don't have a failing grade. So no, I was not good at science and math. (laughs) Okay. So maybe more of the English history, music, drama? Like what was it that you were good at? Yeah, mostly music. Music has been a huge part in my life ever since my parents forced me to take piano lessons, which I'm thankful for now. (laughs) At the time, not. But now, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, 
yeah, music was definitely a huge part and still is a big part of my life. And I definitely excelled in all of those arts yeah. and music, even drama classes, all of those kinds of things. And yeah, English as well. Yeah, it seems yeah. to be kind yep. of a, a theme for a lot of people. <laughs> when you're good at one, you're probably good at some of the other yeah. ones. So then as you start to get into the end of high school, that's really the first time where people get to make decisions on their own about what they're going to do. Often parents are influencing people in one direction, whether it be college, university, or specific family businesses, things like that. Did you have anyone or any particular thing influencing you in a certain direction? Or by then, had you sort of honed in on something where you're like, this is what I want to do, and here's what I'm going to do to get there? Mm, so when I graduated high school, I kind of didn't really have any direction. I was very stressed about not having any direction. But my parents were very... They were very supportive of anything that we wanted to do and they were not pushy, which I'm so thankful for because I did. There's a lot of people who have a large amount of pressure from their parents pushing them into a career or mm -hmm. a pathway. And I didn't have that. I had a lot of freedom to explore and freedom to figure out what I like and and find something that I would be happy with and not just stuck in. So that was so helpful from a kid who felt pressure like all the time from everywhere. I needed parents who were not giving me pressure in that area. Yep. But I definitely felt pressure at school with all of the teachers being so like just on top of you and making sure you are thinking about exactly what you need to go into for college or university and to make sure you have all the right classes and all the right credits and all the right grades and all the right extracurriculars that you go, get exactly what you want to get. And I'm like, I don't even know what I want. Like, how do I know what to take in high school or what I should be focusing on if I don't even know what I want to do for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so graduating, I had no idea. I didn't even have a plan. I actually decided to take a year off and figure out what I wanted to do because I just didn't know. All right. So yeah. year off provides lots of different options uh, a lot of people i think it's more common in the uk but it's definitely something people do here where they take a year off and they travel a little harder to do here if you want to go internationally because it's just expensive yeah. but what was the plan then if you were going to take a year off were you, were you just looking to get a job to make some money or were you going to just do a bunch of research over the course of the year and study and figure out what it is that might be of interest to you a year later probably both i needed to take a year off to make money. I did work a lot through high school too, but um, I needed to pay for school. So I took a year off and got a full-time job at Aerie by American Eagle in the Upper Canada Mall. And I was a manager there for that whole year and beyond, but we'll get to that. So did you already have experience that was able to get you? Because like jumping into a manager role at 18, oh, yes, you right. probably had some experience with that. I worked... Okay, I had multiple jobs in high school. How many of them do you want to hear about? <laughs> well, how many of them got you to that job, I guess? Um, I guess I can do like a quick run through of them. Sure. So I did get my first job when I was 13. Yes, I was underage, but it was just a friend's. It was through a friend. They had a fresh produce kind of business. So I just like ran their till on my little 13-year-old self. 
Straight cash. Straight no cash. Reporting. Yeah. Yeah. The usual kind mm-hmm. of underage. <laughs> but I wanted it really bad. They didn't make me do it. <laughs> I wanted to get my own fr- my first cell phone. Oh, and that was the only way yes. I could get my first cell phone was if I had the money to pay for it for a whole year's worth. I just save up and then pay for my own cell phone. So hear that kids, you hear what we had to go through? Yeah, yeah. So much to get my little flip crazer phone. Oh, yes. Yes. Not even like a Blackberry or anything. You can't even like text on those yeah. things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got my first cell phone and then after that, my job, my, I guess real legal first job (laughs) was McDonald's. So yes, I worked the McDonald's life. We were forced to do overnight shifts while being in high school on the weekends, which was insane. I don't think that should be allowed. Yeah. I guess I've never (laughs) really thought about that being something students would have to deal with. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you couldn't, if you said no to the overnight shifts, then you said no to the job. So. Yeah. So, did that, had all of my McDonald's experience, which apparently looks really good on a resume to other people because of the training. Oh, okay. I don't know, but they like it. So, that I got mean, me the mall job. kind of makes sense though, right? Like McDonald's, everywhere you yeah. go, it's very consistent. It is very it's consistent. It's always the exact same. It really is. Like no McDonald's yeah. is the worst McDonald's. No. They're all just pretty much mcdonald's yeah Yeah. mcdonald's yeah it's it's why when you travel you know you can go to mcdonald's and get something that tastes like something you would eat back home yes exactly okay yeah so that got you the mall job i do it well that got me the mall job yeah so i worked there uh yeah full time about i think it was about 45 hours a week and um got my management experience for a year kind of just focused on myself and figuring out what this life is and what I want to do mm-hmm. <laughs> and where I want to be and all of that. Yeah. How did that go? That's a <laughs> lot of uh, self-reflection at 18 yeah. years old or something like that. And and I imagine too, in, in some ways it's hard and in some ways it's easy because were you still living at home during this time? Yes, it yeah. was. So yep. probably minimal expenses, mm-hmm. paying for your slightly better cell phone at this point, yep. maybe, yes. maybe not. a Blackberry. A Blackberry yes. at this uh-huh. point in time. Okay. It was great. <laughs> and so you're living at home, saving money, but trying to figure out what comes next. You've probably got a lot of time to spend thinking mm-hmm. about that then. Yeah, I had a lot of time because a lot of my friends left for university. So that frees up all of my extra time outside of work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought about it a lot and I didn't really come up with a whole lot. (laughs) I mean, I, I decided that I did, I was good at my job and I was good at managing a, a store. So I was like, okay, what can I do that's like this, but in school? So I found a program at Seneca called Fashion Business Management. And that was pretty much, it would get you a job that's working in head offices of different fashion companies, whether it's like buying or merchandising or all Mm. those kind of positions. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I like that. I like the sound of that. I'm good at it from what I am feeling at this job. And uh, I'm going to try it out. So that spring... This would have been in 2013, in the springtime. I applied for the fall semester in 2013 for Seneca Fashion Business Management. All right. So Seneca has a lot of campuses. Mm -hmm. And you were living up 
where again at this point? At this point, we were still in um, Cedar Valley, which Cedar is Valley, right. Newmarket, Mount Albert. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you commute to Seneca or did you have to, did that get you to Toronto? Because you always knew you wanted to go to Toronto. Well, I hadn't saved up enough to move out yet. Gotcha. So I still lived at home and commuted. So I was at the Seneca uh, North York campus right off of the highway. Okay, so it's... On the 404. Yeah, still yeah. a ways to get to, but not... Uh, yeah. You weren't heading into the heart of the city or anything No, like that. it was like in rush hour, it was an hour and a half, but in not rush hour, it was 25 minutes. Oh. Which <laughs> is great for those yeah. classes. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in rush traffic, hour, you know. less fun. Yeah, less fun. <laughs> okay, and how long of a program would that have been? It was a three... It would have been a three-year program. Okay, yeah, yeah like a full uh, three-year yep. college program, mm-hmm. right? So what did you find with that program? Did it really fit what you wanted it to be? I did really enjoy it. I liked pretty much every aspect of it. I enjoyed every class, but for some reason I still wasn't completely happy with it. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, it was a bu- so it was a really busy time because I was doing full-time school and I was still working as a manager at Airy for about 30 hours a week. So I was doing, I don't know, 25 hours of class time plus 30 hours of work plus then all of the extra homework mm-hmm. and commuting between all of these places at all times. So it was very, very busy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I still felt like there was something missing. Okay. Did you get through the whole program while still feeling like something was missing? Or as some people do, they like, it's not for them. You knew this isn't the right thing. You left. Yeah, I actually left after the second year. You know, normally, sometimes I know the answer to that because of the conversations I've had. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, so. I, didn't, okay. I didn't write that in there. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you left after the second year. Was there, did you leave with a plan or just knowing that this isn't the thing, I got to leave? And you still were working, I guess. So you had mm-hmm. a job to, I, I want to say like fall back on, not, yeah, sustain. Yeah, it's to not sustain fall back myself. On. This yeah. is like, this is the thing you're choosing to do because- yeah choosing to continue at Seneca didn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. As much as I liked it and as much as I was excelling in the program, I did kind of realize that the direction that I was going in because of my job experience, this program kind of feels pointless to me because I can get the job whether I have this schooling or not. So I just wasn't 100% on it and I didn't want to spend my money on this program if I wasn't gonna need it in the end right so i did take that break from school without having a plan just working and seeing how that continued to go how long did you end up working before something else sort of came into your life so i worked at airy for quite a bit longer and then a friend of mine actually worked at scotia bank and she said they're hiring i don't know if you're interested in something else and like changing your career um but we're hiring and I could get you an interview if you'd like. So I said, you know what? Why don't I try it out? I'm not really doing anything other than working right now. It's a job that pays better. So I could try it out and see how I like it and see if I want to go work at a bank. <laughs> yeah. So that seems like a bit of a, a like a shift. How? Totally. I'm, I'm all for transferable skills. Mm-hmm. I hope to God that the skills that I have are transferable if yeah. I ever try and leave yeah. my field of work. But to go from... Uh, airy mm-hmm. to Scotiabank that's slightly surprising to me I guess yes. <laughs> and were you a bank teller what else what would I you, was a bank teller you were a bank teller yes okay yeah 
So it's, I guess, a lot of like customer service, yeah. being able to talk to people, which mm-hmm. you had from your time at Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. All of it was, all of my positions were like, he- they would fall heavily into the customer service yeah, area. Okay. Even if it, even if it is a, like management and that kind of thing, you're still mainly customer service. Hmm. So uh, I did at least have those skills that were transferable and I felt comfortable with people. Um, at the bank, people are a lot angrier than they are at shopping at Aerie, <laughs> which was very different to deal with because you're dealing with people's money, which is their life. Like that is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a challenge. And I did not like that challenge. <laughs> I didn't love dealing with that whole side of things. You weren't, you didn't have many happy people coming into the bank, hmm. which I didn't really expect. I don't know why you th- like, I think about it now and I'm like, well, obviously I'm, I don't really go inside of a bank unless I have an issue. Otherwise yeah. I do everything on my phone or yeah. I go to the outside automated teller but i don't go inside Mm -hmm. i (laughs) use my bank phone app for yeah exactly i'm like i don't really have to go in there unless something's really wrong (laughs) so now that i think about it that makes sense as to why there are unhappy people coming through the doors um so i stayed there for a while but if we bring it back to high school when i said how much music was a part of my life yeah that I had always stuck around and always been in the back of my head, but I was always told music can't make you any money. So like, why would you go into a program for music when barely anyone comes out making money? Right. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to regret it one day if I don't just do it, even if it's just for the experience, whatever. Or if if I learn one thing, that's great. I'm going to go to school for music or at least apply and try to do it. Okay. So, so where in the world could you go? <laughs> Music is exists in a lot of yes. places. And I read where you told me you went and I looked it up and I thought, how did that happen? <laughs> so please tell me. Yes. So I have a family member who moved to the States um, when she had graduated uh, college from here as a nurse. She moved to the States to be a nurse. Um, she lives in Kentucky, right outside of Lexington, Kentucky, if anyone knows where that is. (laughs) And there is a private school in that area that has a great music program. And she had told me about the school, told me about the program. And I looked up the costs at this time, the doll, I mean, the dollar's still bad, but it was, it's like an extra 30% Mm -hmm. on top of everything. Plus it's private school costs. So just everything together, I was like, $60,000. I don't have $60,000 to pay for a school. (laughs) But then I realized they had scholarships. So I took a trip down there and I did an audition as a vocalist for a scholarship. Did you sing just in your own time on the side throughout this whole time? Because I imagine that's one of those things. Well, I don't know. I have no talent for it. So in my head, I'm like, do you just (laughs) lose that if you don't practice? Or are are you just good at it the whole time? Like I... I am so far removed from music being a skill set that I can't really weigh in here. Well, so when I was young, I was in a choir. I grew up in a church, so I was in a kid's choir. I loved it. I loved singing. I loved doing the musicals. I loved all of that. So it goes way way back to when I've, yeah. yeah. And then into high school, I took vocal 
like I was in a vocal program and took vocal lessons. So it just was there for like it, it kind of never there wasn't a year that I wasn't in a choir or doing vocal lessons or in a vocal class or anything like that. Okay. And it's mainly opera because in vocal classes in um high school, I went to an arts high school. So they had like very intense music classes. Right, okay. Yeah, so it's a lot of opera in English and Latin and Italian and German and that whole spectrum of But at the time you weren't vocalist. interested in in pursuing that, eh? I I was, I just was told that I couldn't or just felt like I was being told that I couldn't. Okay. Because of well, not just not being able to make a living yeah, off of music. Yeah, I get that. I mean, yeah, and I do it's get a it. Thing, I, yeah. you hear that, right? Yeah, so. and you're like, yeah, I do look at like I, you do see. It's really hard to be the one person that comes out that's able yeah. to make money off of this, unless they're like an educator. If they're yeah. a music educator, that's a great way to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it can be difficult, and I just was like, oh well, then I guess I can't. Like, mm. if, if they say I can't, then I can't. <laughs> So how many years later then, if we're just kind of summing up the total time between finishing high school to then... And that year. Yeah, going down to this audition. So I finished high school in 2012. And then the audition for this school would have been, I think, 2016. Okay. So about four years between... Finishing high school and deciding to then yeah. try and pursue music. Yeah, or the and, end of 2015, like okay. November, December. All right, so uh, three years, eight months, mm-hmm. something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so or three and a half, whatever it is. Oh, yeah, math, obviously, as we talked about, yes, not strong not, suits no, for us. No, I don't us, do math. So yeah, <laughs> we are creative types, <laughs> yes. or at least I like to pretend I am. Yeah. So, all right, so you go to this audition. Mm-hmm. School's sixty thousand a year, but they have scholarships. What happens? Mm-hmm. Um, so I go to the audition and I audition my English piece and my language piece, which I think I did. I don't know. I think it was an Italian piece. And then they also make you do a whole sight reading singing thing too. I did it. I was so nervous. I was terrified. I finished. Um, and then they, I believe they decided while I waited if I was going to get one of the scholarships or not. And so I just had to sit there and wait in this waiting room for a while. <laughs> oh, like literally there. Literally not, not there. like, okay, we'll call you. No. Like go out here and yeah. we'll tell you in an hour yeah. if well, you get $60,000 or whatever the amount. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Exactly. It's pretty intense. It was intense. So I waited for them to tell me because I was late in auditioning so i was going to be coming into the program mid-year in a january program not a fall start so at this point they knew that they had a scholarship available and then they just had to decide if i qualified or not and i got the scholarship so it covered most of my tuition there was a little bit left that i had to figure out and it was it was an amount that i could make work Perfect. So I was. <laughs> I didn't like fight the urge to say congratulations there, but yeah. it's like happened five years ago. Like we've kind of moved past that. You know? Like how long do you congratulate someone for after something? There's got to be a time. I know. I don't know what the appropriate time would be. Well, uh, 
Yeah. So not, <laughs> not congratulations, but also not congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. It's been five years. <laughs> All right. So you're able to, to cover the rest of the cost mm-hmm. and now you're a little bit older, a little bit wiser, heading down there to study music. Yeah. What was that experience like? Um, Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, is a very fascinating place yes, from the things I know about Kentucky. Yeah. Tell me about this experience. Well, I had visited Kentucky before because my aunt lived there. So that was a plus. Otherwise, it would have been even more scary moving to a different country, different and then a state out in the middle of like almost nowhere lots of farms lots of yeah. horse farms and, and particularly this university i googled it yes. before because i was yeah. like where's this <laughs> and i like i saw lexington on the map but uh-huh. you gotta zoom out a bit to get there yeah. so it's in a quite small town yeah a, a town called wilmore i wilmore. think there's four thousand people in the town it blows so my mind small. when these like uh, because you don't have that in Canada. You, no. The schools are all in big cities. Yeah. Uh, you don't have tiny private colleges with seemingly infinite money that can sustain yes. themselves in small towns. Yeah, it was wild. It was a different experience, definitely. And I really did. As much as people, like, we're all North America. We're all a Western country. So you would, there are so many similarities between living in Canada and living in the States, but it did, I did get quite a culture shock living there. Even though I had visited that area many times, it felt like I was far from home for sure. Just Mm. people were different. Every, every store was different. These stores to go to were different. And um, yeah, it took me a while to get used to. I don't actually know if I did get used to it at all, but Mm. yeah, it was quite different. So how long would that program be? That program would have been a four-year program, except I would have been able to transfer credits from my Seneca program, all of my electives. So it would have filled in all of my electives, which would have taken a year and a half off of the program. Oh, wow. That's really good. Yeah, really good. That's like an unusually high number. I mean, I work at a university. Yes. That seems unusually high. Uh, Very unusually high. But because of the level of programs or classes courses that i did at seneca they would have filled all of the elective it was a liberal arts school as well so all of their elective courses would be like you kind of have to take one in many different subjects because they want you like a well-rounded you come up yeah that makes sense doing your math and your science english history everything well seneca represent yeah right (laughs) good credits obviously yeah Yeah, i guess it worked (laughs) so then two and a half years is what it would have taken you yes to complete that Mm -hmm. how did that go so i did the first year i had a lot of fun i made um a few really really good friends actually two of my best friends i made there and they are still my best friends today they are a couple of the most amazing people. And I, if I didn't, if I hadn't met them, I probably would have not stayed as long as I did. Um, but did the program for a year and a half. And after a year and a half, I just wanted to go home. I didn't want to be there anymore. <laughs> so was it, was it the program or was it the, the difference of living in Kentucky versus here? I think both. I think there were so many factors that I just was like, this is not for me. I am 
ready to go home. I had my time away and I I liked being away. I liked being on my own. It was the first time I had left home and I really enjoyed that part. I loved living on my own. I loved living in my own apartment, having my own space, doing my own things, taking care of myself. But this was just not the place that I wanted to do it. Hmm. And I wanted to get out. (laughs) Did you feel like when you decided to leave that music was still the future career plan though? I didn't feel like it was the future career plan. And I didn't necessarily go into it thinking it was a future career plan. I just wanted to try it and see what was what would happen. Okay. Like I didn't want to settle on it and set myself up for it just in case, I don't know, whether it was I didn't want to be disappointed or whatever the reason was. This was just a thing that you wanted to do yeah. and you're still you're young at that point. Yeah. Like you can make decisions and try things mm-hmm. and not really worry about how that will affect you in 20 years. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, sometimes you can make decisions that really will. Yes. But this is not yeah. one of those. This is like an experience that you wanted to have to mm-hmm. see. Was it one of those, like, I want to see if I can do it type yeah. of things? A okay. lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. I am a very, even growing up, if my parents told me I couldn't do something, I was going to do it just because they told me I couldn't. <laughs> I'm one of those people. So with all those people telling me you can't do music, you can't go into music, you're not going to make any money. You can't do that. I was like, well, then I'm going to do it. Fine. Like, I'm just going to do it. So I think, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the big reasons that I did it as well. All right. All right. So obviously then you want to come home because uh-huh. homesickness seems to very much be a part of this. You want yep. to get out of there. Is Toronto yet in the cards, like really living here at this point? Did you did you move, now that you've been on your own, did you move from there directly into Toronto or back home for a while or what happened? I couldn't afford to move into Toronto just yet, but it definitely was still uh, in my radar. Like it was definitely the front center, still always want to live in Toronto. I'm going to make it happen one day. I just have to get there. So moving back was a, I moved back in with my parents and I was now on the track of what can I do to get me into Toronto? Okay. So now this is your new plan. It's mm-hmm. get to Toronto. Yes. That is the main driving yes. factor as opposed <laughs> to, you know, let me try this program. Let me try this program. Now get me to Toronto was the yeah. plan. Yeah. I, to get to Toronto, I, well, okay. So first of all, coming home from school, I was like, I need a job. I can't just bum around at my parents' house. I'm like, what am I at this point? Like 22 years old or something. Math, I don't know. So <laughs> 23 and a half. If yeah. You spend a year and a half down there is my estimate. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm actually not terrible. About, I yeah. really had to learn how to estimate. And But anyway, this is not a pat myself on the back for being better no, at math podcast. No, that's pretty good. You're, probably, you're way better than me. <laughs> And I didn't even live it. So, I know, yeah, right? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So around 23, I moved back, needed a job. So there was a hair salon that, that was kind of near my, near my parents' house. And um, I knew a few of the people working there and they were hiring an assistant um, just to do like desk, their social media, assisting with things around the salon. So I applied and started there like the next day or something. Um, That's a really quick turnaround. Which is great. Yeah, it was a great turnaround. (laughs) When I needed a job, I got it. That was awesome. (laughs) So... And there are two... You mentioned two components to this, like admin stuff, uh which feels like you've probably got the experience from at the bank and Mm -hmm. just 
you know, having been a student a couple of times, you've picked up some of these things yeah. you might need. Now, you mentioned social media. Nothing you've said so far tells me that you have that skill set, but you're also 23, which means maybe you're just better at it than any of them. Yeah. Is that what that <laughs> yeah. was? I think they all did not want to do the social media. <laughs> so they were like, let's get someone young in here to do the social media and then off our hands and it's doing gotcha. doing its thing. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So... I got the job, was working there for a few months. I think I started there in, I guess, May, April, whenever I came home from school. Okay. And then was working there. And then in September, I met a boy who is now my husband. Um, but we met in September, end of September. Is this another and... one of those, like, congratulations <laughs> moments? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I met yeah. someone. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> So, yeah, we met. I was actually at a point in my life where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to date for a while because I think I'm doing really well with figuring myself out. And it's things sneak up on Yeah, you. it's right because I, I was looking before, but then I dated a few people here and there and just was like, you know what? I am just going to chill out now and I'm going to do me and I'm going to have a really fun time because... It's quite awesome being able to just do whatever you want all the time. <laughs> There's like 17 movies with this plot line. Yes, like, I'm just going to do me and then you meet your yes, husband. Yes, right and then away. you meet someone and they and all of the all of the people who would like all of my parents friends and all those people they'd be like, "Oh, it comes when you least expect it." And you're like, "Whatever, you know <laughs> you're like, nothing." Like I'm tired of listening yeah. to you. <laughs> you're like, "You've been married for so long, you don't even remember." Yeah. And like, sure enough, Tinder didn't exist for yeah. these people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is a different game, okay? This is a different world. <laughs> yeah. And and no, yeah, when I least expected it and didn't want it, it came. So, we met. We started dating so fast. I can say that on our first date, I knew I was going to marry him, which is crazy. And I think it's crazy when people say that. But he knows that already. <laughs> yeah, though, right? he knows that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be great if that was like the surprise that came out of this interview? <laughs> I know, right? Surprise. I was the crazy one on the first date. No, <laughs> he knows. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So we started dating like immediately. We fell in love. And he lived in Toronto. So we met in Toronto through friends. And, and then Did I was like, I was like, hmm, maybe I just married him for Toronto. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Pieces I love you. Are up. <laughs> uh, so no, no, no. We fell in love before I, when I moved to Toronto. I loved him before Toronto became a piece. So, okay. <laughs> So um, we actually got engaged. I was still I was still working at the hair salon at the time, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should go finish my Seneca program. So I did go back to Seneca that January and did a semester of school. He was also finishing up his schooling. He was at York for psychology, and. He was in his fifth year because they had like five hundred strikes while he was in school. <laughs> yes, yeah. York University does that. <laughs> so he was in one of his last strikes, <laughs> waiting to end to hand in his last final papers during that time too. And he was working full time at a cafe. And um, 
yeah, we I finished school that semester and then we actually got engaged in the summer. So we had been dating for only, let me see, math again, September to July. What's that? Ten Nine months, months? Ten months? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. We got engaged and then we got married the following February. If my wow. math is correct. Quick turnaround. Yes. Yeah, very quick turnaround. <laughs> and we are still together. So it's still working. I'm glad to hear that because it does seem awfully like you married this guy because he lived in Toronto. I know, right? It does. Especially <laughs> when I'm talking, talking math here, about the Toronto or so. <laughs> okay. So that's great. So now this is joking aside, mm-hmm. you're moving to Toronto, I guess. I'm moving to Toronto. I so yeah, we found a place uh in Toronto, which we are still in now. It's a great apartment. It's very close to everything. So I was like, okay. I'm going to Toronto. I'm getting a job in Toronto. There was only one place that I wanted to work. And I had never had an issue with finding jobs before. And I just believed in that. And I said, okay, I'm going to apply to this one place and hope I get the job. Um, It was a jewelry store that I just loved. It was Toronto-based. And I just wanted that job. That was the only one I would have taken, <laughs> which is I didn't give myself many options yeah, to we'll fall back you. on. Yeah, I was very picky, <laughs> but I got the job, which was amazing. Perfect. I started as soon as we got back from our honeymoon, which was really nice. It was like perfect timing because I got to go away and not have to worry about getting three weeks off of work. Mm-hmm. And um, what did you do there? So I was an entry level position on their web team. Um, they were building their website and um, they, they, I mean, they had had the website for a while, but they were just building it up and getting it going and getting a, like moving a lot of the business over to the website as well, mm. because that like at the time and currently, I mean, web yeah. stores are it's not going the thing. Anywhere. Yeah, it's not going away. Yeah. There's this little Amazon startup I've heard about. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I worked on the web team. And I, I worked through that position, um, kind of gained more and more responsibility as I kept showing more and more responsibility and just wanted to learn and soak up as much as I could from the business. Um, it, it definitely was a job that pushed me in many ways, um, good and bad. And I, then became the e-commerce coordinator. So I pretty much was in charge of all, everything that has to do with shipping, everything that has to do with customer experience, all ads, Google ads, like all advertising for the web store and the other stores and web operations, photographing all of the pieces to put on the website, updating the website, keeping it going, making sure there's no errors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did this all come from just the experience of doing jobs or was some of this stuff you learned because of the program you were in at Seneca? And I mean, a follow-up to that, did you actually finish at Seneca? Because it sounds like, were there more credits that, I have so many questions right now. I, I got to figure where to start <laughs> oh, with yeah. this. So, okay, let's start with Seneca. Yes, yes. You you said you went back for a term, which makes me think mm-hmm. you didn't go back and finish up. Uh, is that... It was. So I finished all of the necessary credits for Seneca. 
I didn't. I So I had to transfer some back from the ones yeah. that I took at Asbury University. And I didn't get that admin stuff finished. So okay. I didn't officially get a certificate. But you did all Even the though I of did courses. all the courses. Yeah, so like yeah. Seneca won't say you graduated. No, they won't say that I graduated. You were like, but yeah, I was I like, did. yeah, I did, and yeah. I don't need you. Yeah, okay. So like you're happy with how it yeah. ended up. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, whatever. Yeah. So then, okay, the question really of like that e-commerce job, mm-hmm. all these things you're doing task-wise, are these things you actually studied and learned how to do at school at some point? Or did you just like... Are you just like the quickest learner and are just, you're just picking these things up as you get the job. You're just like, yeah, I'm going to be good at this now. Promote me to (laughs) e-commerce coordinator. Honestly. Yeah. I'm a very, very quick learner. (laughs) I would definitely say I didn't learn any of it from school. Like I, I could, I got a lot of just experience in general from school and just learning systems and, you know, those kind of things. But for me, I learn by doing like I try one thing like I have to I have to physically do it and then I can just do it and that's fine. So school was never really an easy thing for me, like sitting there and listening to a lecture and then like just trying to memorize the things that they're saying because I'm not fully always understanding everything and I maybe couldn't actually do it but as soon as I'm shown how like visually or physically I can do it Mm -hmm. so I did learn most of my skills just from trying in the positions all right (laughs) which doesn't work for everyone but for me I was like that's the only way I can do it I did get um I when I graduated high school I was I did notice that throughout high school a lot I had a lot of difficulties with different classes and I did get diagnosed with a learning disability so I I do I had I got diagnosed with ADHD and then a few learning disabilities in there as well and um which would have been very helpful to know <laughs> so that I, you're not the first person I've talked to who's had that experience yeah. and they all said that yeah that, like you know it but I guess what does it matter like this is not my experience, but mm-hmm. I, so I guess I can't really speak to it, but like you're here now. So like, doesn't matter. Like no. look what you did anyway. Yeah. That's I was I still able to. Yeah, exactly. Like still made it. And I'm so happy where I am today. It would have maybe helped to know why things, why things were hard oh, I going yeah. through, but yeah, like it I wouldn't like have changed. So yeah. Just so I that you know. I a whole podcast to answer the yes. question of why. Yes. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot from just being in the role and being pushed into it. So yeah. So you mentioned good and bad with this job and you haven't really said that about other jobs. So like what was the good about it? And then what was the not so good about it? So the good about this job was the experience. I had amazing experience. I got to do things that People fresh out of university would never be allowed to have responsibility for and be able to make decisions like that and like big decisions for the company and that kind of thing. So I really, really appreciated learning and um, being trusted and in a role where I could gain that experience and gain that knowledge 
quickly. But the bad parts were there was very high expectations of success and high expectations of work hours. So being expected to be working from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed and weekends and holidays and everything and no compensation for that. Like live for the job. Yes, live for the job. And not like we're going to pay you to live for the job. Yeah, like startup culture kind Ah, of thing, which is a lot of Toronto companies are like that. A lot of startups are like that. Was this a startup though? It wasn't a new startup, no. Okay. So it'd been around for a while. Yeah, it had been around for a while. So I think that's not typically the t- the way that established businesses that want to be successful treat employees. No. Okay. No. It definitely, yeah, you didn't feel appreciated whatsoever. Yeah. So how long did you last in that situation before something had to change? I worked there for a year and a half. And at that point, I wanted a change and I, the bad had started to outweigh the good. Okay. So at that time, um, it kind of worked out pretty well because as I was thinking, I need a change. I don't think I can do this much longer. Um, my workplace had asked me to work, uh, on weekends. Now that was a bit of an issue for me because I was involved in a church and I I volunteered and um, had commitments with the church on Saturdays and Sundays. So for religious reasons, I said, no, I can't work Saturdays and Sundays. I do have previous commitments at my church and I am not willing to sacrifice those in order to work at my job yeah. and work in my position for those weekends and those days. So they said, okay, if you're saying no to those weekends, then we are going to have to let you go. So it was a little, I was like, okay, I mean, I don't think you can fire me for religious reasons. Yeah, pretty <laughs> entrenched in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, yeah. I think. So I was like, okay. That wasn't cool, but at the same time, I don't really want to be here anymore. And even the fact that you are saying that you are you want to let me go because of my religious reasons, that's yeah. even more so yeah. a reason for me to be like, okay, I don't think this is a good fit for me. I don't think this company values what I value. It sounds like one of those things where like, you were already ready to leave and then they do this. And like, how could you ever recover from that when you already didn't want to be there anymore? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like they can't treat people like that. No. And then somehow expect you to like change your mind and yeah, come back. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I was like, this might just be the reason or the, yeah, the reason I needed to leave and the opportunity to leave at the time that was kind of fitting into my life well. It was lining up with other things in my life. Lining up with other things. Yeah. Tell me about that because my next question was going to be, like, did you want to continue on doing e-commerce stuff? It seems to me like you've been very willing and able to bounce around and pick up new things Mm -hmm. and try something (laughs) totally different. So what was lining up so well? Because I suspect that's where you end up doing, or that's what you end up doing next. Yes. So for a little bit, Um, I mean, yeah, I've jumped around to a lot of jobs. I 
have never quite found the perfect fit for me, as we have talked about with me leaving so many different jobs and hopping all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had an idea in the back of, the, of my mind for a while that I wanted to start a business. Um, I didn't feel like I had the tools or knew how or just didn't even know really where to start for a long time. And it was always just brewing in the back of my head. So with that position that I had at the jewelry company, I got a lot of experience and was able to take on a lot and have a lot of responsibility. And that gave me so much confidence to be like, hey, I could maybe actually try something on my own. So my it's business... Like the one good thing that came out of yeah, this. Yeah, the one Other really good thing Other than maybe some thing good thing people. That, yes, but yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, the confidence. Exactly. So it was... I had a business idea of starting a mobile flower shop. There are a lot of them in in Europe. They just seem to be all over the big main cities. And then there were quite a few in the States that I saw when I was living in the States. And I thought, well, there's none in Toronto. I have not found that. I have not seen that anywhere that I've been in Canada. Why don't I start it here? So I got the ball moving, got the got the ball, got the ball rolling. <laughs> there you and go. Moving. You got it out. <laughs> I got the ball. The <laughs> not editing. Can this. you this say is it? In. How do you say this? Got the ball rolling. I got the ball rolling. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and. Now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> you were starting up. You wanted to start a mobile flower a shop. A mobile flower shop. And I got the ball rolling. You and started doing all the research to figure out how I was going to do this wild dream. <laughs> okay. I get the sense then that that was already moving when you left or were fired or however that ended up working out the point is you didn't want to be there anyway so it really doesn't matter what they call it mm -hmm. uh that was already like in progress yeah it was already on my mind and something that i had that i hoped i would eventually be able to do one day yeah but had you actually like other than maybe research was there any sort of like physical process happened at this point no it was really just like research dreaming probably pinteresting oh i suspect yes much pinteresting yes. <laughs> much pinteresting <laughs> and just kind of thinking about how it could work if it could ever work yeah that kind of thing and then all of a sudden you got a lot more free time yes all of a sudden i got a lot more free time and i thought you know what i actually think i took maybe a week to really think about it and figure out if this is something I wanted to do or if I wanted to start looking for a new job. And I thought, you know what? Let's do it. So I got let go from that job two weeks before lockdowns and COVID hit Toronto. Oh, I didn't realize this was all that recent. Yes. Yes. This was that recent. So... It was literally, yeah, literally two weeks. There were talks of like in the office in February at that time of, oh, like 
there's a virus that's going around and I I don't think it's here yet but like they're saying it's all over the world and everyone was like oh okay well just be careful if you're sick maybe stay home I don't know and um yeah two weeks after I got let go the pandemic hit pretty hard and everything just shut down completely and that was also a week after I decided that I was gonna go for this business and start looking for a vehicle or trailer or something to create a mobile shop out of did that make it harder or easier for you to (sighs) begin this process oh my gosh both because I mean all of a sudden I had a lot of free time because everyone's closed so if I wanted to find a job there wasn't really any to be had because everyone was letting people go no one was hiring that's an interesting motivator. Yeah. Like there's really nowhere else to go. Yeah. I was like, I'm being forced to not work anywhere else right now. So it kind of was a push to be like, okay, this is almost my only option if I want to be doing something at this moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was terrifying because you're like, well, it's now going on like weeks and is it ever going to open back up? Like, are people yeah. going to be shopping again one day or like what's going to happen? Right. Yeah. So it was very scary, but I did it anyway. <laughs> so what is the process of that? Like, like yeah, to start so, your own mobile flower shop. Yes. Cause you're the only one I know. <laughs> so I have no knowledge of this. Yeah. So I started doing research on other, like even just like, food vendors, just anyone who has some kind of mobile thing that they sell things out of. Yeah, I, I guess like, food trucks are is... the closest equivalent yeah, that exactly. are common. And there's a lot of them in Toronto. Yeah. And so I was like, what are people using? Like, do I need to buy a truck or do I need to buy something that I can pull or do I just create it myself or do I find something and redo it? So I searched around everywhere and then I realized there's a whole bunch of people that are renovating camper trailers, whether they're into mobile bars or even just a nicer camper trailer to live in like just all this kind of stuff so there's so many people who have youtube videos of renovations and all these kind of things and i start watching them and i'm like i hey. had that same part of lockdown also yes yeah. yes of course a lot of us yeah. hit that part of youtube yeah. during lockdown do i need to move into a camper do yeah. i have to sell all my stuff <laughs> we we had six thousand dollars ready to go natasha's yes. dad's a diesel mechanic and we were like we might need you to come check oh out this gosh. engine uh, that did not happen. Oh, but no. It, it, we'll talk more about that after. Okay. There's, I, yeah, there's I want to hear about that. Okay. But, okay. but no, you. So you're looking <laughs> into it. You're seeing people do all these yes. renovations. Seeing people do all the renovations. Seeing you're even a quick more learner, people. As we've learned before. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I've been able to do other things by just trying. Maybe I can also just <laughs> renovate a camper trailer, which may have been like too far fetched, but um, I went for it. So. I figured out what kind of trailer I wanted to have. My husband and I had a car, which can't pull a huge trailer. Um, I found out that there are certain kind of trailers, bowlers and trilliums, which are old trailers from that were made from the 60s to the 90s that are so light and small that a car can pull them. So mm-hmm. I was like, great, I don't have to buy a new vehicle to pull my trailer. This would be perfect if I found one of these. I realized that they're so difficult to find. And people sell them for a lot of money because there's like a cult following on these little things. It's like the Airstreams where they're like classic and fancy and people love them. Yeah. yeah. And they sell them for like tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So I called every RV 
reseller and seller in Southern Ontario to see if anyone knew anyone who had a Trillium or a Bowler trailer. Someone called me back in Stouffville and said, hey, I have a coworker who might have a friend who might have one and he might be willing to sell it. So I'm like, okay. Come on, hometown, pull through for me. Yeah, (laughs) like this better work, but I don't think it will. So I call him back and I'm like, hey, I hear you might have a trailer. Let's talk about it. And he said, okay, yeah, my friend has one, but he doesn't want to sell it, but I'm going to talk to him and tell him to sell it to you because I love your idea. So I'm like, okay, like what? You're going to convince your friend to sell this trailer that everyone's after in my budget, which was not a big budget it was a very small budget for what these trailers are worth and um he called me back and he said okay i convinced him to sell it and he's gonna sell it to you and i'm going to drive it to this location so that it's closer for you to come and look at and we're also going to knock thousands off the price for you and i'm like <laughs> just, what this guy just brokering this deal yeah. because he loves the concept yes. was he, he a trailer dealer or just yeah like, okay not he, just like a guy who heard from someone no, else that someone was no. looking for a trailer no he actually works at one of the one of the yeah. camper trailer resale places and, and he just like straight up it undercut was just his a own... friend of his yeah yeah and he's just cutting out his own business model yeah yeah, yeah. his own stuff on the side just cool idea. yeah he was just like oh, i love this this is genius like you're gonna do so well he's on his way to retire he was on his way to retirement he's just like a perfect, really kind perfect man spot who... to find someone yeah great. and he was like let's get you this trailer so i was like this is too good to be true it's probably not even the kind of trailer that I'm looking for. Maybe he's mistaken. This must be some cheap, bad, like it must be in bad shape, whatever. I come up. It's actually like great. It has some things that are missing that I'm going to have to fix and do a little extra work on. But I was blown away. I saw it for the first time. We were like, it's perfect. We want it. We'll take it. Like when, like when do you want us to come pick it up? Pretty much. So that was in May, a couple months after COVID hit. We got the trailer, we took it home, and then we started figuring out how to renovate this thing into a mobile shop. Which and, and YouTube, I suppose, was very important in this. Yes, so much YouTube and so many RV forums. Oh, yeah. Because everyone's like they renovated know, like, every things. Every place and, for you yeah. will make a replacement part for this yes. 40 or 50 year olds. Yeah. Yes. And I didn't know how much of a world this was and that people are so in this RV renovating world and it's so cool. <laughs> That's any hobby has these people who yeah. are so into it. Yes. I have learned to not judge anybody for their hobby because like you commented behind me is a wall of like 400 video games yes. that at one point in my life I was really into collecting. And that's the thing that made me be like, everybody's an expert at something and <laughs> I'm not so going to judge them for it and just use their knowledge for good. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So you find it's all the these best. amazing people online. They help you out. Mm-hmm. You renovate this trailer. There's also the other half of this, which is... Ha- flowers getting flowers and actually selling them so like how do you find a flower vendor how does this work yes so um i guess a little bit of backstory on how flowers have kind of been in my life my dad went to school for horticulture and landscape design so he has worked um for the city of toronto my whole life in parks and rec and has been in charge of 
he's a general manager, so he's in charge of over 150 parks in Toronto. So that includes like all the landscaping and the bed design and flowers and all of that stuff that you see in all the beautiful parks. So flowers have always been there. He has been like, he knows so much. He will point at a flower and give me the English and the Latin name for it. And he'll be like, how can you tell that this flower is this flower? Like you can look at the leaf because it's shaped like this and it's not like this one. And it's, he just so knows you a, everything. You had a pretty good flower yes. nerd in your corner. I had an in with the flower nerds and it was my dad. Perfect. <laughs> so he gave me all the knowledge. Now finding out where to get all the, all of the flowers is very different because when you're getting cut flowers, it's very different than planting flowers. Right. It's two whole totally different worlds. So I... Um, so the flower circle is in Mississauga and it is pretty much the flower hub for Ontario. All of the Ontario flower growers and international flower growers, uh, their flowers get imported and transported to this hub, which then gets distributed to all of the florists in Ontario. Mm. So you can go there and purchase or some places offer delivery throughout the week. And then there's flower auctions and early morning flower markets. It's like a whole other world. It's another whole nerdy flower world. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I get flowers from there as well as just private growers who are smaller growers who may not necessarily grow in the amounts that would be transported to these wholesalers. Um, They just do it privately and then local uh, florists and customers support them. So yeah, that's where I get all my flowers from. Okay. When did, when did you start actually selling then? How long did it take to like get everything really set up? Mm-hmm. And I know we're not good at math, but yep. we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So the plan was only a couple of months of renos. And because of COVID and all of that, it took over a year. So we didn't start selling until this past June, June 2021. I didn't realize it was that new. Yeah, it's that new. That means I bought from you in like your second month of operation yes, or something like exactly. that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. It's been it's been quite incredible because going into this with so many fears and so many doubts, especially into COVID being like, I'm starting a business. Who wants to spend money while there's a pandemic and there's so many scary things happening and everyone's like, what's going to happen to the economy? Are we going to crash? Are we yeah. going to... Like what, what, Well, I what, can what, tell what? you though, <laughs> as a consumer, we need flowers to brighten up this dark, dim yeah, world around us. exactly. It's so sad out there some days and the flowers really have brought so much joy to so many people, which I didn't expect. Mm. I didn't expect it to be so successful and that so many people would love it and want to come. Yeah. And support us. Yeah. And and you just, because you're mobile, you just mm-hmm. sort of like pop up all over the place. Yeah. How do you pick, how does that work? Do you do you just like show up and hope the cops don't tell you to move? Or do you like <laughs> book parking lots or how does this work? Honestly, when we were coming up with the plan to be like, where are we going to sell? What are we going to do? Like, how is this going to work? I was like, okay, do I just pull up on the side of the street and yeah, hope that no one tells me to move? Yeah, like open Uh, up your thing, get your flowers here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then just like shut it down quick when the cops come by and speed away. Yeah, scream. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was gonna have to happen. Um, But before I even started doing pop ups, I had 
started an Instagram page to kind of bring people along the journey of the renovations and the plan and just be there and yeah, you see watched a little enough backstory. YouTube videos that yeah. you knew how to do it right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. this needs people need to be in on the story first. So at that time, um, we hadn't started doing pop-ups and I actually had businesses and people reaching out to say, as soon as you're ready, can you come and pop up at our business? And I was like, you don't even know what this shop looks like. Like, what if it's, what if I have horrible taste and I design this ugly store and you're like asking me to pop up and you don't even know what I'm going to sell, that's what I'm going to do. It's when you give them a long-term yeah. contract <laughs> yeah. and sign on the dotted line, please. I was like, how are you guys wanting this already? So, I mean, I took that as a sign to keep going and keep trying and yeah, just keep chugging along. So... By the time we were ready, we already had quite a few pop-ups booked and they were in like Toronto GTA and then Sable Beach in Prince Edward County at the June Motel, um, which is just is a like cute little... A, a, a wide swath yes, of... Like, a wide not just swath. like Toronto-based. I mean, no, yeah. You're Toronto-based, but you, <laughs> you pop up all over. Yeah, I pop up all over. I kind of wanted to take this year to pop around in different places because yeah. I'm mobile because I can I could figure out where it works best yeah like we're talking a couple hours drive exactly in these cases yeah. yeah yeah so we tried a few places out um we actually do really well in Sable Beach and in Toronto so those are our two biggest places yeah um that do well and both like in both places we have businesses asking for us to come back so I have not once had to reach out to someone to ask if I can pop up or search for a place or pop up on a street and hope I don't get kicked off. I have had people ask me every single time, which has been incredible. You know, it's funny. We haven't even mentioned the name. Oh, yeah. I'll let you do it. The business is called Sunday Love. Sunday Love Flowers. Sunday Love Flowers. Yes. It is the cutest little camping trailer. <laughs> like greatest looking thing i love what you've done with that oh, and we could just talk about all this fun stuff forever from a career perspective you spent a lot of time building up to this one thing now right like yes. a year's worth of renovating where yep. you were just focused on getting this business ready to launch yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a year yep. that's a, a long year time long. Yeah. and it's like risky but i guess yeah. <laughs> at the same time like you said like it's covid so other people mm -hmm. at least at the beginning people weren't yeah. hiring things have changed over the course of the year yeah. but but now you're doing it and i yeah. get the vibe that you love it i love it so much i love it so much like everything that i've done feels like it was preparing me for this and like this is what i love i love every part of it i love the prep i love the admin i love doing it i love building things i love creating things it's just all around feels like a perfect fit and that's all we're all looking for right? yeah so all right where can people find you on instagram if they want to connect and follow this journey like how do they find up where the pop-ups are how does this all work for them so we do pretty much everything on instagram um the instagram is at sunday love flowers and I post where my pop-ups are going to be every week. And um, I'm getting, I'm working on my website. I know I can do websites. It just, 
now that I'm a business owner, I have I do everything. Yeah. So it's my like last thing right now. Yeah. But it needs to be a priority. So a website is coming. But for now, we're mainly on Instagram. Perfect. And we post everything on there. Where we're going to be, what we're going to do, where we're, what we're selling, where we're selling. Yeah. Yeah. You are regularly at the front of my uh, Instagram stories. Oh, nice. So, yes. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> That's the best. Well, this has been... A fun journey to hear. Thank you so much, Lauren, for coming Thank and sharing so all of that. And I hope that some people who hear this find you somewhere around Toronto, Sabo Beach, or anywhere else. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun to go over the whole process from the beginning. All right. That is Lauren's career path so far. After some experimentation, she's got her own business, Sunday Loves Mobile Flower Shop, and she sounds thrilled about where she's ended up. There's so much positivity in Lauren's story, particularly with what she's doing now with her business, but I do think that what we can learn from her, or at least what I want to highlight today, really stems from some of the different things she's tried over the years. I almost just said trial and error, but I don't really think of this as trial and error. She tried things to see if they felt right. It started off with Seneca, where she went for fashion business management because she was working in retail and it seemed like that was a way to advance her career. But two years in, she realized her heart wasn't in it and she told us that that was really because she realized that the diploma wasn't going to get her the advancement she was looking for at that point in time. It was the job experience that she actually had that was going to get her that advancement. Why keep paying for school when she already was on the path to the thing that she wanted at that time? It just didn't make sense, so she stopped. I think a lot of people probably would stick out that third year because of the sunken cost fallacy, the idea that you're this far in, you might as well finish up, you've already committed so much. Lauren did not do that. She recognized that there was no benefit to her at that point in time in continuing to do that, So she just decided, I'm going to change course, and good for her. After a bit of a break, though, she did decide that school might be what she was looking for, except this time it was totally different. She was looking at music school, which is something that she always wanted to do, but either thought she couldn't or was being told that there was no money in it and that it wasn't really a viable career. But Lauren went for it. She decided, this is what I want to do. She went out and she got her scholarship, moved to Kentucky, And did it for a year and a half, got the experience, recognized that this is something I can do, but she chose to stop doing that. To make the choice to stop going to school a second time is probably even harder because of that sunk cost fallacy. Even though she had that scholarship, there was still money she had to pay to go down to that school, but she knew it was not what she wanted anymore. She got the experience and moved on. After those experiences, Lauren never formally graduated, but it doesn't matter. Her objective was not to get a diploma. It was to find out if she wanted to do these things, and in the case of music, if she could do those things. And the answers were no. She didn't want a diploma she didn't need, and yes, she could make it in music. So I hear her story, and I want to make sure that you, listening to this, know it's okay to experiment. I think the idea does get pushed around that you have to pick something and stick to it to be successful, to work your way up. But maybe that isn't the way that it should be. Try something. And if it feels wrong, stop doing that thing. And do not feel bad for having stopped. You're not failing at achieving something. You're just finding the answer to a different question. 
This thing you thought you wanted is not actually what you want. So be like Lauren. Try new things, and eventually, like her, maybe you'll end up in a job that you don't love, but one that teaches you all the things you need to know for a future career. Of course, that's not all we can learn from Lauren, and I have a lot less to say about this second point, but it's still worth mentioning because it's something I feel very strongly about, which is tell people what you want. Tell them about your vision. Tell them about your dreams. Tell them about how you endeavor to achieve those dreams. And if they can easily help you, they often will. That's exactly how Lauren was able to purchase the trailer she uses for her business. She told her dream to an old retiring RV salesperson, and they decided, I'm going to help this person. This person has a vision, and I can support them in carrying out that vision. So talk to strangers. The worst that can happen is they can't help you, but you'll probably never see them again, so don't worry about it. Put yourself out there. You never know what can happen. Overall, Lauren is living the dream, I'm trying to live mine, and I hope you're trying to live yours. Be sure to follow Sunday Love Flowers on Instagram and see where Lauren will be popping up next with her cool little camper. Natasha and I bought some really nice flowers from her a few weeks back, so I can personally recommend her products. You can find the Instagram account linked in our show notes with all the other Career Crossroads social media as well. That's all for this week's episode of Career Crossroads. So if you know someone who would be interested in Lauren's career path, please share this episode with them. And if you want to hear more interviews like this, go to careercrossroadspodcast.com or any podcast player out there. A quick reminder that you can support the show on our Ko-fi page in the show notes and also by leaving a five-star review.